I'm not going to give you an inspirational thing about oh you know I have all this work and yet I managed to be super focused with my training and I never miss a that's not true I do miss sessions I hate missing sessions I try to make up but um I don't take it too seriously because we are older guys now the younger guys are doing you know we are, we, we have to have fun with what we're doing Yes yeah. we like to race hard yes we like to win yes we like to beat the young guys that's the biggest one right Don't get frustrated by not being able to train as much as the other guys because what happens is that we get so mentally screwed you know you're on Instagram you're on Facebook oh my god Rinky's done 6 hours how am i going to race against him you know next weekend oh he's been doing 6 hour days every that's just going to mess with you right yeah. you do what you can do forget about the others right yeah. so sometimes people will train more than you and they will win sometimes they'll train more than you and you will win and you know all of this happens so don't worry about it just look at your own balance um and then i realized like oh my god this i've done only on nutrition hmm. right with minimal riding next to it this is very powerful so that's when a penny really dropped and i think that what's happened over time is you know we always say right and i'm sure you say this as a coach consistency right. is the most important thing yeah right in cycling you need to be consistent i have never managed to be consistent with my cycling even though i say that to everybody that i mentor because right. of life yeah right i can't things get thrown at you but i've maintained consistency with nutrition that was really massive uh because india was now competing in on the world stage right it's not the uci it's not the proto but still yeah. uh in a field of riders from all over the world with organized teams and making an impression and we won we won the juniors right navin raj came back with the gold Mikey Winky and this is the Working Athlete podcast. Here I talk to working athletes from all walks of life and experts from various sports to provide you with inspiration, training tips, time management and lifestyle advice. If this is something that interests you, please make sure you subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss any future episodes. Today's guest is one of the pioneers of Bangalore cycling and Indian cycling in my opinion. He was founder of the first professional cycling team in India and to this day it has been impossible to replicate the model and the success of the team. He is one of the strongest master riders we have in the country as well. His versatility is mind-boggling. He has donned many hats over the years. a son a husband a doting dad a designer a business owner a cycling team founder a plant based nutrition evangelist a kick ass masters rider a lecturer or just a few of them and he has excelled in all of them his name is vivek radhakrishnan welcome to the working athlete podcast vivek it is such a pleasure having you on the show thank you venki all right so Let's talk about your latest passion uh, of nutrition and happy healthy me organics it has started uh, uh, it is got into sports nutrition as well right 
let's start by talking about that a bit yeah so um it's funny you know all the things that you mentioned before all of the different things that i did some of which i'm i'm still doing quite a few of those they've all kind of worked their way and culminated in uh, in the nutrition uh, direction um so actually the you know the brand happy healthy me is uh, was founded in 2016 uh, by my wife namu and uh, and her co-partner at the time uh, misha and it was um, it was you know really focused on organics and on uh, on food uh, and really looking at a healthy lifestyle and and providing people with uh, you know with something that they know is really truly organic right because uh, that's how the brand was founded because people didn't know am i actually buying organic or not so the idea was to let's create a certified organic brand uh, and it was one of the pioneering organic brands uh, in the country at the time and um, i got roped into the company at some point i was working with specialized in the industry in the bike industry and um, and namu said she really wanted me to join and so i joined and you know i started helping out with various things uh, business development operations all this kind of stuff but um what i noticed happening over time was that we were attracting more and more athletes um largely because of uh, our range of superfoods which was also one of the first brands in the country to have that kind of range of superfoods at the time and uh, more and more athletes were coming to us and so that became something very interesting at the same time we ran a cafe um and, and i was running the cafe and what started to happen is we were just the whole cafe would be full of athletes uh predominantly um football players you know from uh, the bangalore football bfc bangalore football oh, and nice. um, yeah and uh, these are hungry guys huh they're all uh, it was all the uh, australian spanish all the foreign players um uh some of the indian players uh, they all were you know customers of the brand and then they would come and eat there i was cooking for them at the time so they would like clean out the place there be no food left and so all of this uh started becoming very interesting because not only are you starting to have them as customers now you're actually feeding them as well and seeing what they eat and how they eat and then you get into relationships with them because they're also buying food to take home um and for me you know things really started aligning at that point um if i throw back to uh well i can't remember the years but i guess maybe 2013 14 um yeah probably 2014 uh our team at the time the skct the specialized kinkini cycling team um we were sponsored by scratch labs um Correct. and um yeah one of the founders um biju thomas he flew down to india to do some work with us and um that was also really a a, a revelation because we really started then to think hard about uh, hydration nutrition um and looking at it differently from how sports nutrition is typically looked at you know in a much more real way real food so that experience that had kind of launched my interest in in nutrition right mm-hmm. for riding for sports right. and now suddenly i had this i was in the kitchen and i had athletes hungry athletes waiting and so then it all took it took that direction suddenly you know not, not only do i love cooking for myself and my family but now i was cooking for them and eventually we took the brand into a direction where we thought okay let's really look at food uh nourishment for athletes and that's where we're at now uh and that's our focus and 
and like i said you know much of our audience was looking at uh, superfoods so we now have a range of uh, performance superfoods so these are products that have been developed with superfoods that work on immunity they work on providing energy they help with recovery you know different products um which are largely made of um, of superfoods so now happy healthy me is like a performance superfood brand awesome. and uh, it's exciting space to be in yeah yeah definitely now when when did this journey start when did you start cycling oh the cycling journey so it's funny because um you know there was a time especially when we launched the team when we had a lot of press right we were in newspapers and magazines all sorts of things i did a lot of uh, a lot of interviews then because of course i was leading the whole pr side of it right marketing which was a big side of it um and and of course this question came up and i remember the first time it came up i i i sat and thought about it and then i realized what became my standard answer is that actually i never stopped so i started cycling like you and yeah, like as everybody kid. as a kid right yeah. on my little i remember i had this little red bike it was called paprika and um so i had that and then i i remember i got my first big bike which was a bsa slr you know um and that was really moving up right to a real yeah. bike and then that bike got modified into a, a road bike so i used to spend every summer in france uh because my mom is french and my family's there and i would uh, i would come back with parts from decathlon which has existed in i mean it's a french brand right it's existed right. there forever yeah. and i would bring back parts every year and keep building this bike till it finally one day looked like a road bike i remember bringing back spray paint also from the cans <laughs> of spray paint wow. so actually what happened is it, the cycling never stopped um i think when i was um when i started going to high school um mm. i would ride to school and um so that was like a 12 kilometer commute one way mm. and in those i mean in in that school like the thought of cycling to school was insane right like people are like are you mad what are you doing i mean who does that and i just you know i just loved it so much there was such a rush um it never got tired like i just so i never stopped and then after school um i went i went abroad to study and i went to the netherlands wow so <laughs> netherlands denmark you know i mean this is like the uh, the heart of of cycling right yeah. so there it kind of took on a whole new uh, a new direction so i had i was already doing touring over here uh, mm-hmm. on my bike so I, would, i would travel by by bicycle this is before i went abroad when i was still uh, in in high school mm. and in the netherlands um i mean there of course you commute that way right that's mm. so that's but that you don't even really think about that as cycling that's like you have some rotten old uh bike and you use that to get from point a to point b but then i i would i would cycle um you know after college um and then i started traveling so i started traveling through europe by bicycle and i think i think you know that's something that i would advise to uh i'm guessing that the audience listening to this podcast is lot largely the racy sporty performance crowd but i have to say to you guys that if you actually travel by bicycle if you do some touring it's something so magical and so pure uh it's you and your bicycle carrying your stuff and i remember when i did it 
it was just me and my bicycle and i had my tent my sleeping bag my cooking gas little everything you know so i was just a one man traveling thing every night sleeping in my tent um it's really something remarkable that you experience with cycling which is completely different from the training that we do the racing that we do um all of this other stuff and and i think that's when even though i'd been cycling you know for whatever 18 20 years till then that was like a real falling in love you know it was a a, a deep love um yeah. you know crossing the alps sleeping in the mountains by a river in your tent i mean it's just something else and i think um that really cemented things um and i i still think it was one of the most powerful experiences of my life you know really just traveling on my bike and um and after that came all of these other things you know uh, you know getting into racing looking at the sport but that was my base training all know? right and that is training for life that that is a solid base now i understand where this thing is coming from right so uh, let us expand a little bit on uh, the touring it's very interesting right the audience uh, is you know wide spectrum of people uh, working and cycling and so i i think this this would be quite interesting so you mentioned that you were touring uh, even before um, uh, you know going abroad what sort of uh, touring did you do in india so probably the longest ride i did was from bangalore to cochin hmm. um and this is what this is 1994 perhaps i wow. think 1994 yeah. um so it wasn't I don't think many people were doing this kind of thing at that time. Hmm. Um I mean those were the BSA SLR Hero right. Ranger days, right? Correct. And so I did that with a, a couple of my friends. Uh and you know it was wonderful. I mean um we we did have geared bikes. We had added gears like uh, there was there was gears it, it had a Shimano sticker. I, I don't know it must have been Shimano because uh I don't yeah. think people were like um so we had five gears i remember and we put we we fit these on the bikes ourselves and man we knew nothing nothing about tech you know we're right. so tech savvy now right we're worrying about milligrams and titanium and all of this and back then it was just like okay so there's this thing that goes through that holds the wheel so you put this there and you know it does something it makes it easier it worked right and um so so we traveled like that uh to cochin and it was amazing um i mean that was also really an an eye opener it was very it was very dangerous uh, i mean it's dangerous on the road today but it was very different then because i remember mysore road was a single yeah single almost a single lane it was two lanes wide right and you'd see like uh, demolished trucks along the way as you go <laughs> you know do you remember this like when we were kids and you travel somewhere you just see these truck carcasses along the way right yeah you don't see yeah. too much anymore and uh, so a lot of crazy stuff happened back then but that really gave me the 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 bug to travel by bicycle how many days did it take uh, do you remember bangalore to coach not so long i mean probably like 5 uh, days or something like that right okay um, i don't know if Get- you remember but there was uh, the plague that happened in that year there was a crazy thing that happened with the plague right and uh-huh. it was being spread and 
and so we got stopped in the forest by the police and then we got loaded into a truck and sent back where we came from and then we sneaked out and cycled it again and it was just madness but it's adventure right yeah. and i think that's the that's something that we miss in racing we have a lot of cool stuff that happens in racing yeah. but the adventure is kind of not there you never know what's going to happen in a race but yeah. you kind of know what are the sort of things that can happen when you're right. traveling you have no idea what's going to happen <laughs> that is true <laughs> I mean, you just have to deal with it yeah the situation because the components the number of factors are so many uh, you know so yeah. many different people that you could encounter and so many different yeah. experiences it went be yeah. quite quite crazy so now uh, staying on the touring uh, theme uh, you w- what was uh, you know touring in europe like of course you uh, you know compared to uh, touring here and uh, you know what was your longest tour and w- what were some of the memories from there so um it was very different from touring here um first of all over here when you're touring on a bicycle i mean remember when we started the racing scene over here in you know uh, 2008 2009 if you were on a bicycle wearing a helmet and lycra people here looked at you like you were from mars yeah, right exactly. still you're out of town right yeah. imagine back then and my bike was fluorescent yellow green and blue okay <laughs> <laughs> and so there was this insane thing where people would look at us traveling by bicycles and they thought we were mad uh, but there was three of us right and so that was it's different you're in a gang you're you're together uh, we were indians in india so you know whatever it was different of course in europe when i was touring which was in about 1997 98 probably the most traveling so the longest tour that i did to answer your question was uh 2550 kilometers mm-hmm. um and it was through the netherlands belgium luxembourg uh and then zigzagging my way down france um to the italian border and the plan was to continue into italy but i had actually kind of had enough by the time i got there uh because a lot of stuff was breaking down on the bike because i'd been through the ardennes mountains uh the vosges mountains and then the alps so it's a lot of climbing with 20 kilos of baggage so everything right. was short on the bike and um but it was very different and and i think the biggest difference was that i was alone um mm. this was a trip that i just did completely on my on my own so you spend a lot of time with yourself and like you mentioned you meet a lot of people uh so that's something that happens on one hand uh and on the other hand you don't see anybody and i remember 3 days in the alps without meeting a single person just wow. me and my bike and these mountains and every time you get to the top and you look you know you think you're there and then you look and you just see a sea of mountains you know you just see peaks and peaks and peaks and you're like what am i doing you know if you look the other way it's the same and you just kind of keep going and 3 days i remember without meeting anybody was insane um because it's kind of like a vipassana experience on a bicycle exactly yeah. what i was thinking right yeah because so people who've done vipassana and we've exchanged notes i mean a lot of what they say i completely relate to from that experience and i think one of the craziest things that happened on that tour and and this is the beautiful thing you're in nature you're alone you're on your bike and with your thoughts right doing something physical i remembered 
uh, all the words to a Malayalam song about a crow that I learned when I was a little kid, three years old or something. I didn't even know that I knew that song. The whole song <laughs> came back with all the words. Wow. You know? It's so crazy. So all these kind of crazy, weird things happen. And then, you know, you're, you're camping. So you're staying in campsites. Um, if you reach a place with a campsite, you meet people there. Everybody's kind of traveling. You meet bikers. You meet, you know, all sorts of people. And it's, it's really exciting. And um, it's kind of like backpacking, you know, traveling with your backpack. And you're self-sufficient. But again, you know, there were no cell phones back then. Yeah. Um, so this whole, we live in this era now where we're so connected, right? Like uh, you and I'll be talking on this thing here and we might be messaging each other on WhatsApp. Everything is like instant. So then it was not. Um, and there was no, there was no uh, uh, Garmin, you know. Right. I mean, Garmin existed as a company, but they, they weren't yet doing things with cycling. So the whole satellite GPS uh, thing was not, was not a thing in cycling. Right. So I was traveling with, uh, with maps, road maps, uh, right. paper maps, right? And um, it's heavy. To carry maps is heavy. So I would buy maps along the way of the regions that I was tra traveling through because you get a map for a region. And then at night in the tent, I would plan out my route. And I remember, oh, I should have found it. I had a device, which is like uh, with a little wheel at the end. Uh -huh. And then it has a dial. And then you choose the scale of the map. So the dial has all the different scales and different colors. And then you wheel the thing along the road that you're planning to take. Uh -huh. And then it tells you what is the distance. Wow. You know? Nice. So, so you could plan what was the next day. So you're kind of actually going along the map, along the road. And then you're like, okay, that's 120 Ks. Maybe that's as much as I'll do tomorrow. So then I'm going to reach roughly one of these towns. And you don't know if you'll reach, if you won't reach. Um, so there's just so much mystery. And you don't know your destination and you don't necessarily have a plan, which, which is something I like. Um, and uh, so it's kind of discovery, you know, you put yourself out there and, and I, I think everybody should tow by bicycle at some awesome. point, you know, awesome. I'm looking for doing it again. Yeah. 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 Great. Great. When was this? Which year? I guess 97 must've been around 97. Right. Steve bike. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and, and you know, you get into, um, you get into rituals as well, because you know, every night mm. you pitch your tent, mm. right. And every morning you pack your tent, every night you cook your dinner. And then before that you bought your dinner at some local store or local supermarket. So you get into these daily rituals and you're traveling as light as you can. So you've got like maybe two pairs of riding kit, and one or two pairs of clothes. The rest is like your gear, your tools, spares, um, you know, other stuff that you need, tent. It all added up to about 20 kilos, I remember. And, and maps. Um, it's the bare minimum mm. that you should carry. And there's something so liberating uh, when you have so little with you. Just what you need, you know. Um, and it feels like you have so much because you have the world around you. You know, and, and, and that's what you're experiencing. So there's a real feeling of, uh, of, of richness that, that comes with it. You know, you absorb. I mean, you know how it is on a bicycle, right? You yeah. feel the terrain, you feel the wind, you get the smells, the temperature. It's so real. Um, and, and the scenery is just unfolding itself as you go. 
and it changes all the time. It's changing, it's changing. And it's really hard. I mean, you know, the weather, you don't know what's going to happen. I remember about one week of nonstop rain, wet tent, wet clothes. Like I was crying. I was just like, no, you know, this is hell. Should I stop? But you don't. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. My so, scoring, guys. Awesome, awesome. So what, what got you uh, started on this? You know, it, it, what, what, uh, why did you do something like that? You know, what got you started? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, um, my, my dad was a crazy guy. And so his life was all full of adventure and it was all, all about travel and discovering places. And my entire childhood, I heard stories about, about that, of all his journeys around the world, you know, in the fifties. And I mean, really long ago. Um, and, uh, that is 1950 for the young folks listening. <laughs> Last millennium. Uh, so, um, so you know, that, that desire to travel and discover places was always there. And then there was the love for bicycles and motorcycles. I mean, I grew up with bicycles and motorcycles, right? And I did a lot of touring on motorcycles as well. I mean, both in India um, and abroad. Um, so there's, there's kind of, there's no better way. And after I'd experienced it here, I knew I, I wanted to do it there. And actually what happened was when I was going to Europe, when I was done with school here and I was going to college there, the plan was to ride there uh, in 1996, I think. That was a plan, was to ride to Paris from here. And I was working on that plan. Um, and what happened is I then got hepatitis really bad. Right. The thing nearly killed me. Wow. And so that raised all of that. And I was just sick for a really long time. And, uh, and then recovery took ages. So of course I, uh, I got back into cycling when I reached Europe, when I reached hmm. uh, the Netherlands. Okay. Uh, but I had to kind of build back. Nice. Nice. So I, I remember you were also uh, a bike courier or a fixie hipster yeah. at one point. What was that? Yeah. So, so uh, when I lived in, uh, in the Netherlands, um, you know, I did all these jobs, right, as a student uh, to earn money. And uh, I mean, I worked in cafes and bars and restaurants, kitchens, everything, name it. Um, and I mean, Holland with its rich uh, cycling culture, um, you had all of these bicycle messengers, right, who were delivering packets all over the place. And uh, of course, I had a lot of friends who were cyclists. And uh, a lot of people I went to college with were also doing this. But it was, it was very interesting because um, bicycle messengers, there are subcultures all over the world, right? Some places it's fixies. If you go to New York, it's like being really badass with piercings and tattoos and, you know, doing really daredevil stuff on really shitty bikes. Um, you know, there's all these subcultures. But the subculture where I was, right, um, it was a very performance kind of subculture. And I think that's one of the things that really got me into performance cycling because what happened is that company guaranteed the quickest delivery of any documents in the Netherlands. Okay. Wow. Of course, it didn't deliver to the whole Netherlands. It was for our town, but that company, right? And what happened is that all the people who worked as bike messengers there, maybe not all, but a lot of them, they were semi-pro cyclists. So they were all racers, right? And you need to train. 
and cycling i mean as a profession it's a shit job right if it comes to earning money unless you're in the top percentage it's really tough right you do yeah. it for the love yeah it's not money sponsorship is also like you get bits and bobs right so these guys were all racers like cat one type racers and they did this so that they could earn money while actually training mm. right so the typical day of a bike messenger you had a 5 hour shift and typically in the 5 hours you would do anything between 90 and 110 maybe 120 kilometers at the most right mm-hmm. um, but when you were it was like intervals right. when you were sent to pick up and to deliver full gas right and then you kind of recover and then the next call comes and full gas and uh, it's funny i'll tell you about it so again this was in the late 90s it was very interesting the way it worked is we had a headquarters right and the headquarters had a giant table which was a map of the entire city and we would have numbers which depended on the cell phone that we had so cell phones were new so we had like the you know now it's a super cool hipster kind of bag to have you know where you roll the top waterproof orange bag with the straps and we'd put the phone in over here and um, and then we had to have a book which was a map right of the city which we would yeah. stick into the our uh, shorts right like you slide mm. it up from your knee mm. and that was there and so the guys in the office would look at who is where on the map and then they decide who to call and you'd be riding so while riding you had to take the call there was no hands free <laughs> that, that wasn't the take the call right? yeah. and then they give the address so then you had a small notepad that you'd pull out while riding and then you'd write down the address right and then you'd look at the map and then you'd shoot over there and then you'd deliver and what not so it was crazy it was really a old school analog way of doing things but you got your training in and and what happened is that all of the uh, so all of the athletes right all of the riders who were doing delivery they didn't get paid in money mm. they got paid in parts because that's what they needed they needed a new durace drive train and this company was able to buy those without paying taxes because they were a cycling de- delivery company mm-hmm. so it was cheaper to get your parts like that than to get your paid in cash and then buy so people would receive their salaries in a crank set in a cassette in an rd and fd you know so the number of hours you work you know so an fd is like uh, so many hours of work an rd <laughs> is like that many hours of work you know crazy so it was really weird and and all of the it was really cool and all of the bikes that were lined up at work were all pretty uh, pretty slick bikes some guys used their own uh, their own racing bikes and and what not so that whole career experience was really um like a step into racing of course mm-hmm. the company had its own team mm-hmm. when they would compete i actually never competed with the company mm-hmm. um and then the other thing you know that really gave me a taste of uh, of competitive cycling is that when i lived in amsterdam um after college i would ride every day you know typically about uh, maybe you know 60 to 90 k's or something like that uh in the evenings and um so rabobank if you remember rabobank was a big team back right. then right yeah yeah um uh, so rabobank had its development team and they would train along the same route where i used to go cycling which was along a river mm-hmm. um and at about the same time so what i started doing was kind of getting the timing right of the rabobank team 
and then I would go and jump on the back, you know, wow. and okay. I would just follow these guys and do whatever the hell they were doing. I don't think I knew about heart rate, intervals, watts, nothing. It's just when they went, I went. When they slowed, I slowed, you know. It was, um, but that was really like a good, good start of training, you know, just following this team around. Um, so and, you, so you actually trained with the pros, huh? Nice. Well, young development pros, and they didn't like me because I was an annoying guy who would come and so I was not friends with them. I was not part of their program or nothing like that. You know, I just try and catch them, and then I'd follow them for a good while until I needed to go back. Right. And I thought I'd be like, oh, this guy again, type of thing. But whatever, it was fun, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. So, uh. then from there where, where did you uh, end up when did you uh, you know you when did you come back to india and how did the cycling start here so i think uh, i came back to india end of 2004 2005 mm-hmm. i've been in the us before that and actually my time in the us so about 2 years was the only time in my life that i stopped cycling okay um i completely stopped because i was in new york super competitive place desk job working through the nights eating pizza drinking alcohol because you're stressed out and then smoking cigarettes and just like the most unhealthy life and you and i have both have this journey of being really big guys overweight and then losing it with cycling right so i went from you know being normal to being really huge like about 90 kgs uh and then when i came back to india my health was so bad that i figured i needed to do something and uh, and then you know cycling came to the rescue uh again so i started riding um but i was just really trying to to start breathing again shed some weight you know that was the the aim of it and nobody was cycling here i mean nobody mm-hmm. that i knew you know the scene mm-hmm. was just getting going uh bots bumped on the saddle that was the time when you know they started doing their thing uh uh you know uh venki uh wheel sports you know um so it was kind of the beginning of all of those things and i slowly started meeting people hmm. um but i was just cycling to get fit again and okay. and the whole racing thing happened actually with uh kind of through tfn you know when tfn started uh i met you know some other people and and that's when i actually got to meet people who were also cycling in bangalore for the first time otherwise okay. it was just i was doing it by myself okay so and, uh, when doing it by yourself was it like about uh, 2004 2005 was it 2000 uh, maybe 2006 to 2006 2007 2008 yeah yeah okay around around then you know mm-hmm. uh, and 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 your focus was weight loss and you know fitness well it was it started off with um you know i was still smoking cigarettes then coming back from the us and i just got so sick in bangalore and there was a point where i kind of collapsed in my lungs and, and i'm asthmatic you know and my lungs were just i i was lying on the floor in my mom's house looking at the ceiling like my god i'm going to die i can't breathe what am i doing you know got to get my life back together and then the whole cycling thing kind of you know kind of started again so uh, i started riding 15k's a day you know but really hard and then i started losing weight um uh, and then i started commuting by bike so my factory was 30 kilometers away mm. so i would ride there and ride back 
you know, on a big, heavy mountain bike. So then I was, you know, I started doing 60 Ks a day at some point. Um, and then I was getting fit, you know, then I was shedding weight and I was getting fit. And actually, um, then there was one interesting ride that happened. Um, it was, uh, it was, it was some ride with Rohan Kinney, me, uh, it was a bunch of guys and, and I was also just meeting them for the first time and we were saying like, you know what, we should, uh, we should organize some races, you know, wouldn't that be fun? And Matt, who you know, right, Matt Barrett and I, I mean, the, yeah. the kind of both in a sense of, uh, of BBCH, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm claiming here, but you know, I think this is the true story. I remember Matt and I having a conversation um, that we should start organizing races. He lived in Chennai at the time and I was in Bangalore. And we said, you know, let's do time trials. It's super simple. Uh, you don't need to know racing. You know, people will get into it. Uh, and it's easy. It's easy. Let's do that. And then we had this conversation. And I remember speaking to Rohan about it on a ride and whatnot. And then before you knew it, this guy, uh, was his name Jagan? Jagan? Yeah. Jagannath Murthy and Vashu Mishra. Yeah. So Jagan organized a time trial like she's like oh okay you know boom and then he just did it and uh, and that was like the first bbch right yeah, yeah. and it was, everybody was kind of big and chubby on a mountain bike with a big mustache and wearing a jacket and a backpack and that, that was racing you know it's really cool how much it's changed since then and then matt started organizing time trials in chennai and really that was the beginning of racing here um in an organized manner, that was not something that was done by the Federation for the elite crowd as it existed at the time, right? For guys like you and me, that was yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Um, so that was yeah. uh, 2008, I guess, right? And uh, I, I remember when I was speaking to Rohan for the podcast, he was mentioning uh, you guys riding together and talking about it and getting to know about the race that uh, the uh, Vashu and uh, Jagannath uh, Murthy uh, organizing. And then, okay. you know, you guys uh, joining the next one. And, you know, that's how the yeah. things took off. Um, oh, I do. Yeah, I remember coming uh, at, uh, coming to Bangalore in 2000, end of 2010 and coming to watch the first uh, ITT of uh, 2011 uh, on Sajapur Road. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you were there, uh, not sure. On Sajapur Road, there was an ITT happening and uh, I, I came there riding on my... Um, I think uh, Hero Hawk or something. And I was like uh, watching all the guys. Uh, I, I remember seeing um, the Dalam. The, uh, uh, you remember, right? The guys from uh, what? Cleated Warriors. Venkatachalam, Venkatachalam Ramakrishnan and, uh, you know, Cleated Warriors and these guys. I, I remember seeing an, uh, Naveen Raj, uh, Sriram, the uh, Scott Sriram. This was the race off Sarjapur Road. Off Sarjapur Road. That was on the 24th of May, 2000. It wasn't it 2010? Oh no, I was I wasn't here in 2010. Oh, okay. 
2011 the first february yeah. 2011 was uh, you know the race i first saw and i was like wow who are these guys you know you, yeah, yeah. you know i i, I remember seeing uh, shamim uh, you know pa- parking his uh, bike on a trainer and warming up and like why is he riding on a stationary thing when you have the road yeah, yeah. and all that like crazy <laughs> like <laughs> i remember seeing at the end of the day you know people are you know uh, yeah putting numbers in the excel to get the results and uh, giving uh, uh, medals and all that i was like i was really uh, you know taken in by all the uh, this yeah. thing and i was watch i was making sure that whenever i can i was riding to the start of the races and i was uh, watching the races that's how i kind of got into this whole bbch thing it was yeah. fantastic to watch and you guys were you know the uh, starting crowd uh, at that time right you you yeah. guys were like fully into racing so you know the, the the thing is that what happened when bbch started is that um when i came back to india i had this dream i mean so i mean i've always been obsessed with cycling my whole life right but i really believe that with a country of whatever 1 billion there's got to be some champions over here and my thing was like you know what i'll find i'll find these guys right let that be my thing i'm going to find them and i'm going to so my claim at the time was i wanted to put the first indian in the tour de france right on some team whatever like get someone and get them there right um and so then this whole this whole thing started to to look for riders um and when bbch started i was like wow okay so now here is a scene right so we can use the scene so my focus was never to be part of the organization of bbch and set up things even though we did help with, i mean in the beginning it was all of us were friends right just yeah. just doing it but my focus was like you know what i'm going to be focused on the pro cycling edge like create a team be as professional as we can train as professionally as we can and you know sort out equipment and this and that and so that journey started like i started looking for people within my factory you know so i would make them ride with me you know once a week uh-huh. and then i found some talented guys and then there was you know um, engineering students uh, i i started seeing people and then you know working with them and trying to mentor them right um that's how the whole thing started and then and then i remember i noticed navin raj you were talking about him right yeah so he was he was a little kid at that time and i remember this kid and navin you know he he didn't speak much and when he spoke it wasn't really in english and i knew him because he was like the mech or the kid who was in venki's shop and uh, and then suddenly when we were on these mountain bike races this guy was like starting to overtake me you know and super aggressively and so he like got you know in my mind i was like wow who's this kid i really like his aggressive riding style and um, and then through venki you know i got to know more and more of the riders who were on the federation side of things you know right. uh, and these two worlds never crossed back never. then yeah there was that and there was this and it's almost like they didn't know about each other no right yeah so for me it was like okay you know we've got to we've got to bring this together somehow you know we've got to get those guys and sort them out because and bring something modern to it you know uh, they're stuck in doing things the way it's been done for i don't know 
you know, it's another world, but there's talent, right? Yeah. And there's dedicated people. Um, and that was a kind of the birth of, um, of SKCT as we know it today, even though it went through, it was Kinkini Racing and then it became Kinkini Wheel Sports. And Kinkini Wheel Sports was probably really the melting pot where mm. we started having riders from both these worlds coming together. You yeah. know, Loki suddenly was part of the team. Um, and, uh, and for me, it was like when I saw Loki and I saw Naveen Raj, I was like, okay, I'm going to build around this. I'm going yeah. to start to bring people in and, and build around these two guys. You know, one is experienced, one is starting. They represent different things. Let's, let's build around this. And it was also, there was no sponsorship in those days. So it was really like looking for money for a sport that nobody was interested in, that had zero visibility and zero eyeballs. So it was a mad journey. It was really yeah. a mad journey trying to get people to invest in this. Yeah. So I remember the, uh, as you said, the Kinkini team, there was a uh, black and yellow uh, with the, you know, wheel kind of thing. And yeah. then it becoming uh, collaborating with wheel sports, Venki and uh, becoming wheel sport, uh, Kinkini wheel sports um, yeah. team. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, when did this specialized come into the picture? You know, I, I think although in, uh, you bought in the uh, people from um, the Federation, the guys from uh, Bijapur, uh, I think uh, through Venki uh, yeah. and got this team together and uh, you were participating in uh, primarily BBCH and uh, doing well. But when did this king, uh, specialized Kinkini team, uh, you know, specialized come into the picture? Yeah. And how did that change the dynamics? So actually what happened is that we were taking, we started, uh, of course, BBCH, we would do all of the races, right? Mm -hmm. But then we were also participating in the national level races and what they call the cyclothons and stuff back then. Mm -hmm. But that was very complicated because the federation was involved. Right. There. Yeah. Suddenly it's like, a private team who's heard of a private team you know so there was a lot of friction over there it was only state teams exactly. and uh, i i remember um kind of climbing over a fence and joining one of these federation races because we weren't allowed to start so i was like okay i'll jump the fence here and then join you know so we did a lot of crazy things in the beginning um but what happened is that um we started with kinkini racing which was a red and black team right mm. you see naveen raj posted a picture the other day on Instagram about, you know, the beginning of it for him. And he was in that red and black. That's what he would have been wearing at the race you talked about. Exactly it's the race. Uh, yeah, that was the race. Yeah. yeah, that was the race on his yellow giant. Yeah, And uh, I finished second that day. It was <laughs> right. my birthday. I remember it was on my birthday. And um, um, so what, what happened is that I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to get these people. And I, my aim was to create um, a continental team. So it would be a UCI team, not a, UC, not a pro continental team, the most basic level of a continental team so that we could compete internationally. And I was trying to get money for, uh, for this. And I was going, oh my God, every day here, they're talking to people. Um, that's why that team looked so good. You know, the yellow and black team. I think that was probably the first really good looking team in the country. I like the red and black also, but yeah. that was like, we did it ourselves, screen printing types on, decathlon jerseys that my mom carried back from France because decathlon wasn't in India. But 
these, you know, we had these jerseys printed in God knows where in Taiwan or somewhere, you know, through Enki's uh, contacts. And we actually had sponsors on the jersey who were actually our sponsors, right? So it was starting to become real. And I was doing a lot of work to, um, to document things, to create booklets so that, I mean, I'm a designer by profession, right? right. So that whole professional angle is something I really brought to the team. How to have something that looks really good, how to present it really well, how to tell a good story and how to get people to invest in it, right? Um, so that's where I was pushing really hard, you know, um, trying to make this team amazing. Uh, and then Darren Reed, um, mm. he was also, I mean, even from before we were yellow and black, Darren was a pro, right? He was a pro from Europe, an Australian rider, uh, and he was living in India. And then he started uh, riding with me. And everybody that I felt could bring something to it, I would go to them and say, help. So Darren did a lot to help us um, really understand how to become professional in our riding, you know, mm. uh, how to think as a team, what are the things you need to do? So I was like learning everything that I could from him. And what happened was uh, to, to answer your question now, I remember that one day I got a, uh, I was checking my, my mail on, on, uh, on my phone, you know, um, and I saw, I saw a mail from Specialized. And okay. there was no Specialized in India. Specialized yeah. is equal to Ferrari. It's something yes. abroad that is like awesome. And what is it? And I'm like, how am I getting spam from Specialized? I haven't even gone to a website and subscribed to anything. But I was like, whatever, you know, random. So I opened it, right? And I just, I scrolled to the bottom. And then I saw that it was from Joe Whedon, who at the time was the head of uh, business development for Asia. And I'm like, oh, this is from a real person with the real job. And then I was like, shit. So I scrolled back to the top of the mail and then it said, dear Mr. Radha Krishnan. And I was like, oh my God, this is an email to me from Specialized. What the hell is this, right? So it turns out that um, Joe um, was traveling through the country and Specialized was doing market research on India, hmm. right? Uh, because, you know, it's a big country, so much promise and all of that. And he got my number through the head of Nike uh, from India, who, of course, I had been to Nike and pestered them for sponsorship and, you know, they, they couldn't help, but because, you know, what is cycling? Uh, but, you know, I had really good conversations with them and they kept my card and they said like, hey, you know what? Because, you know, Nike and Specialized, two big American brands, right? So they, right. of course, talked to each other. Yeah. They said, you know, take this guy's card, talk to him. He's crazy. It's like all about cycling and all that. Maybe he can help you. So I remember meeting Joe to, to talk about cycling in India. And we met over breakfast because he was flying out that the next day. And we met for, for breakfast. And we had this amazing conversation, you know, um, about cycling. And he had questions. But then at some point, he, I was just talking. And I was telling him about everything that we were doing with these cyclists and what is my dream and how we've put it together and and he just stopped talking and listening to my blah 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 and then at the end he was like oh my god i've spoken to everybody in the country and this is the first conversation that has passion for the sport you know not like i can import a container and i can sell it and look i have a shop and you know because for me it was not business right it was pure passion with sport and so it was great um and he was flying out and then i realized i was like oh my god there's a BBCH race tomorrow, right? It was either tomorrow or day after. And I was like, Joe, you have to come. I made him cancel his ticket. He was like, no, I'm due back in Singapore. I said, cancel your ticket, cancel, reschedule, right? 
So he stays. I made him stay. And I remember he, I think it was Venki who then took him in his car, right? And it was the Kinkini Wheel Sports team. Right. And uh, it was one of those races where it was not too busy because everybody was away at TFN. It was in December. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the people who were there were all of the top cyclists, a lot of them from the Federation side, you know. Right. And I remember we had a team of about uh, six guys, right? And it was, Venki, it was hard racing, man, because it was, there was a lot of tension between us and uh, uh, Samim Rizvi's team. I remember back then, you know, so yeah, it was like, yeah. you know, it was like, you know, win or die type of racing. Was it on uh, Old Madras Road? Yeah. Okay, I heard about this road. Yeah, yeah, yes. good. And and so so the head of business development for Asia is sitting in a car following the race, and he's looking at us, and we're racing on these old steel bikes and whatnot. And he was just like his jaw was like this because it was such hard racing, you know. Yeah. And uh, it was so raw. It's like going yeah. and seeing racing in Africa somewhere. And right. his mind was blown that this even exists in India. And I remember the funny thing is we lost that race and we yeah. lost it to pretty much one guy, you know, and we had a lead out and everything and we lost. But the point is it was an amazing race to watch, yeah. you know, yeah. the attacks and chase and attacks and chase. And, um, and so then Joe got on his flight and he was like, wow, I just saw something crazy, you know. Um, and then we stayed in touch for a long time. And, uh, and I was like, well, the story is that another team was supposed to be sponsored somewhere in Asia. And mm -hmm. I think that fell through because it was looking a bit sketchy. Okay. And suddenly there was an opportunity to do something. And he said, I've got something in India. I know someone who can do something. And then he wrote to me and I was like, let's do this. And it took a long time to put it together. But then we basically got a pro, pro team uh, sponsorship, right? A regional pro team sponsorship. And it was, I mean, I remember I cried so much when it finally came through because it was a lot of work, you know, a lot of work to make it happen. Um, but suddenly we were going to be sponsored with our equipment and this and that and no, no money from the brand. Usually that doesn't happen. Yeah. But now it was like, I've got the biggest name. And, and I remember Specialized telling me, the moment you're a Specialized team, everything else will fall into place. You know, that's exactly what happened because suddenly you're sponsored by Ferrari. You know, Pirelli is interested. Uh, you know, Shell is interested. Everybody's interested, right? So, so it was a lot of work putting that team together. Uh, it was really like day and night work for me at the time. Um, and I think that that's when things were the hardest for me because I still had my, you know, two companies that I was working with. And then there was a team and then there was training. And then I was also on the team. Um, so that was really tough times, actually. It looked super glorious to everybody else because we put out the most shiny picture but it was really for me personally it was a very very tough time but it was like a all or nothing approach yeah you know let's go so all the way that that's what it is about right you can be super busy with whatever else you were doing but you were so passionate about cycling that it did not matter you were putting yourself through hell to make things happen, right? So, yeah. how 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 did you uh, how did it affect the work uh, and how did you kind of manage through those times? 
because you were actually training and racing with the team as well. you were part of the team yeah so I, i remember i mean it was really tough because i used to train minimum 110 kilometers every day back then so i still had to go to the factory right but what i would do is i would ride 60 k's to the factory a long way and then i would ride 50 k's back a little shorter so i split my training into morning and evening and in between that was a full factory day right which was quite physical um but you know i was commuting to the factory before but what changed now was i really looked at it as training so i was in my cycling kit my bags and all were going with the factory vehicle uh, so i was like training you know and i remember darren and i used to ride out together um and then he dropped me off at the factory and head back and then i'd ride back in the evening so there was a lot of riding um there was work and yes you know work was affected because um you know you're building a you're, you're, you have a startup on one hand then this is another startup you know it's completely like a startup it takes so yeah. much attention uh and then there's family you know you have two kids um yeah. so it was really a crazy juggling act back then um you know and then you have your marriage uh, and 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 this was a lot because suddenly it's like i had 12 new kids you know yeah, from two kids to 12 kids um and we went all the way with that team which means that i was housing them uh, you know they were not all of them but most of them were living together in one house so you really have to look after because that has all of its dramas like any yeah. family you know yeah and i was daddy to to that family um so it's like suddenly you you have another family that you have to look after and then of course there's tensions that happen then there's also tensions at work because my factory was also like another family for me you know these guys i work with you know we were building furniture together for years and suddenly it's like oh, now he's really interested in this other stuff and so a lot of push and pull in in every direction and you're training hard on top of it and trying to perform really well um so i think that was the the time at which cycling was the toughest for me we did really well as a team uh because um nobody else was training that way racing that way uh, at the time uh the level of cycling was also very different then from what it is now right. and uh you know suddenly we had these guys who were cyclists that we brought into the scene here so we won almost everything there was to win um i don't think you know yes it is an achievement uh but it was it would be very different today you know it would be mm-hmm. a lot more there'd be a much stiffer competition if we did something like that today mm-hmm. the idea behind that team was to open the doors you know yeah. to do yeah. one thing so that now the next things come and then other bicycle brands started sponsoring teams and cyclists right yeah. so that was the main objective here is like let's bring this kind of professional cycling to india you know it- it was uh-huh. a pioneering uh, a thing in so many ways not just you know bringing a brand here and giving them exposure it was it opened the like you said it opened the doors for so many brands and so many uh, athletes all over india uh yeah. the, the trek came into the picture scott yeah. came into the picture and you know tried to do uh, their own teams and you know they they succeeded in to various degrees but yeah. the impetus was there from what you guys have done right it was yeah. it was massive and now what uh, with the kind of exposure and the uh, you know energy that 
king specialized kinkini has started it, it has inspired so many young athletes who are now doing well at nationals and otherwise like you know no one has imagined uh, at that time a private team doing uh, well now there are so yeah. many private individuals who show up yep. and do well at nationals right it was exactly. it is incredible the kind of uh, you know positive effect that the team had yeah. i mean it was really like we had celebrity status back then yeah. uh, and i remember in the in the cycling world you know everybody knew the team everybody knew me because i was like team boss and stuff and uh, people would ask me you know oh these other teams have started now you know trek has started and scott is doing something you know how do you feel about that and i was like you know this is brilliant this is exactly what we want you know yeah. you don't yeah. want only one team that shows up and wins everything because that's not sport right you need the other teams to come and fight in the game and um, and it's funny because recently i was uh, you know at some cycling thing and and i really i had to introduce myself to people and nobody knew who i was and this was like you know federation kind of level folks and i was like wow i'm really out of the picture now but look at the scene it's awesome you know so all of these young riders today who are really on the scene i don't even know if they know about that team maybe they do maybe they don't but it doesn't matter because the ball is rolling ball now. is maybe. rolling yeah absolutely absolutely yeah yeah so maybe so, maybe when i'm uh, maybe when i'm much older i'll uh, come back and then maybe we can take a team and then fulfill that dream of having a continental team from india right not now but man. maybe later <laughs> sure man so in 2012 uh, is when this thing really took off right so yeah. and and uh, you know one rider came into the picture in 2012 um uh, someone who jumped on uh, uh, you know plane from us and uh, landed here and landed in a race and then jumped directly into the team you know how did that impact the team and uh, you know how did that yeah. change the complexion of the team so so that's a great story actually i remember um Venki telling me like hey uh, this guy from the US got in touch with me is a cyclist there is doing this and that he is interested in the team and what not you talk to him so um so I, we didn't talk i think we, it was on the uh, was, everything was by email so it was navin john right and he's like hey man i i i i saw your, your the team and i watched the launch you know live uh, on the internet and this and that and you know it's been my dream to come back and this is what i'm doing i'm racing collegiate in the US and So he told me all of this stuff and I was just like okay wow one hand this is really cool but what I told him was dude just shut up stay where you are there's a scene over there you're going to get nothing if you come over here because there is no big scene yet you know yeah. we're trying to make a scene but I don't know what you're going to get from it you're you're in the middle of cycling there right, right. so I gave him all of this good advice right <laughs> next thing you know this guy shows up at a race i think either before or uh, after the race and and he's like hey i'm navin uh we we communicated so i was like yeah i told you not to come right he's like yeah well i'm here <laughs> so what do we do so i was like damn what a guy so of course um of course we talked and uh uh we got we got him on board with the team um and it was so complicated and stupid because 
you know, we were like a pro team sponsored by a brand and we had got all of our sponsorship stuff. And suddenly there's one more person, you know, that was not planned for in the larger scheme of things. Thank God he was riding a specialized bike. He has specialized LA. If he didn't, the whole thing would have been so much more complicated because, you know, branding is so important in these things, right? right. Like, uh, yeah. Never. So that worked. So he, he didn't care. He was like, I'll ride my old bike, whatever. He didn't believe in, in equipment at all. I was like, dude, you got to try these tools. S-Works, they're really good. He was like, nah. Uh, it was hard. Naveen's, you know, he's, he's, he's got his own style. But it, it, I think it took him, maybe that's when he started looking at all of these, these different things. Like I had to convince him, you need to wear these shoes. You need to wear this helmet. You need to. Um, but but it, Naveen coming on board, the team really changed everything. Um, it, and it, it took, it brought science uh, to the team because until then uh, we were training in a very, I, w- I don't know, on one hand it's scientific, but it's kind of the old school of scientific, right? So, so Darren had been mentoring us for a long time and he, he comes from the Cadell Evans era. They raced right. together in Australia as youngsters, yeah. you know, so yeah. it's that age group. And Training was done in a different way, right? People weren't really looking at watts. Uh, so it was the way to do it. And that's how we kind of trained with him. Uh, and Naveen was part of, you know, uh, he's this young engineer and, you know, all about the numbers and watts and, you know, like looking at graphs and very different, right? Um, and, you know, Darren had left and Naveen had come. So it was like there was a switch of, uh, of advisory guard, you know, and yeah. I was just all years because anybody who can bring anything, bring it. And, you know, so he brought that whole scientific training edge to the team. Uh, so we watched him do it. And then he started helping different riders and kind of coaching them along um, within the team. And um, and it changed uh, it changed a lot of things. And, and I remember you know, scoring uh, power meters for everyone on the team, you know, um, and, and we, we got, um, we got a fantastic sponsorship there. Uh, and, and we were able to look at these numbers and, and train differently. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something that, uh, that Naveen really changed um, with the team. And, and, and he's continued to do that now, right? So he's, yeah. He's coaching. Uh, he has his way of doing things, and and I think that changed a lot of things in the whole country. It uh, did. It did. Yeah. I think his his impact, uh, you know, the Kinkney kind of uh, the specialized Kinkney provided that base for him, that launching pad for him. But yeah. you know that you know what you guys have done, what you and him have done, has completely changed the way I think a lot of us are training in India now. Yeah. Like the power training, I remember uh, riding uh, with him one of the first one of his first rides uh, uh, to Nandi and back, and riding with him, and he was asking, "Are you guys on Strava?" I was like. Watched Ava, no. <laughs> and immediately I came back home and uh, looked at, uh, you know, Google Shava and then installed and all that. So, you know, we were using Garmin and all that, but not really doing anything yeah. uh, about uh, the data, right? So yeah. that, and now not, not a single serious uh, cyclist is riding without a power meter. Uh, you know, know, it's crazy. It's crazy how the, you know, 
one team one person can affect the ecosystem like that right it yeah. is it is incredible the effect uh, yeah. you know you guys had on the system Awesome. Was fully decked up car as well, right? Team car with the bikes on top and all of the stickers and yeah, oh, good times, man! Really good times. Awesome, awesome. Okay, now let us come to some of the events you guys took part as a team and also as you as an individual, right? Um, you guys had uh, your first national medal. What in two thousand fourteen was it? I think ナヴィンズ、いや、いや。ナヴィンズ、いや、いや。ナヴィンズ、いや、いや。ナヴィンズ、いや、いや。ナヴィンズ、いや、いや。ナヴィンズ、いや、いや。ナヴィンズ、い
which was really big because the aim was to make an internationally competitive indian team right um so we would go and participate in uh, at uh, you know at the high club level where you've been as well right like the tour of friendship correct um which is a melting pot for club level riders semi pros and even pros right uh, it all kind of comes together yeah and um, and when we competed there it was they thought we were the indian team so they would call us the kin some kinky something funny indian team right um and you know that was really massive uh because india was now competing in on the world stage right it's not the uci it's not the proto but still yeah. uh in a field of riders from all over the world with organized teams and making an impression and we won we won the juniors right navin raj came back with the gold nice uh, yeah on, uh, outing. Uh, and loki finished third right so loki finished third in the overall seniors thing or his age group is it in the in the top level uh, yeah the yeah elite in the open yeah he finished third or second i think he finished third i can't okay. remember hmm. remember there was a there was a trophy yeah um i i can't remember all of the details now but you know that was really and then we got a lot of international press hmm. because it's like whoa this like brown team yeah so we see brown and black cyclists it did not exist everybody was white and there was a brown team you know so those were participation in those races was also a huge victory and getting noticed and and having a story to tell you know so i i personally have unfinished business feeling with that yeah uh navin went on to compete in australia with the map team um which was which was fantastic probably you know the first uh, indian pro on a pro level team abroad but definitely now we are ready to do a lot more because mm. this, it's a bigger scene there's so many more serious cyclists there are cyclists that have support from their parents and you know it's a more it's more accepted so definitely something can happen so i have a feeling of unfinished business but um i can't do it in the middle of other careers right now you know that <laughs> would have to be a really focused effort yeah, yeah. to uh, get some indian riders out there man awesome and you guys uh, th- this was in what 2000 uh, f- tour of friendship 2012 okay yeah great and uh, yeah you and you got the team to participate in e- e- local events like tfn uh, uh, and you yourself have participated and many times how many times did you do tfn maybe four four times and how many how many times did you win the masters all the time no oh uh, i don't even know if there was a masters in the beginning no not I, in I, the beginning no i won once yeah uh, correct i definitely wasn't, there wasn't masters at the beginning you're right there was so when no. there was masters i i won that one but otherwise it was uh, yeah whatever there there was there was the team there was nj and uh, loki so you know they did really well and nils of course um the first the first time we did uh, tfn that was the first time i did it we actually did it as a team and i know then we created a big impression as well right guys in the same kit all pro and everything um but that was also the intention uh, yeah. that was of course you get some solid training mm. um 
but we were there for the training and to really spread the word um, about the team because of course we have sponsors we yeah. want to get maximum visibility um, and of course when you have guys like nj and uh, loki riding you're going to come back with results it's yeah. not really a problem um, yeah, i yeah. remember those days uh, i think 2012 was your first uh, tfn as a team and uh, uh, i was there uh, blogging about the uh, tour and the it, the impression you, uh, the team and the guys made is huge you know the it's not just people from uh, in bangalore or you know somewhere else right people from all over the country coming in and looking at these riders this team and their performances first hand had a huge huge impact uh, a positive impact on all of us it was like you know now although they're on the same time uh, same team navin and loki were so close in all those competitive segments yeah. and yeah. Uh, seeing and there was like huge gap afterwards after them and it was yeah. like so so good to see uh, so right yeah, yeah. <laughs> look this is a different type of cyclist do you know who got into cycling because of that uh, tour yeah who someone who had a massive impact on uh, indian cycling chentil che oh, so yeah. and he was like who are these guys man because for him cycling he knew it as something else and suddenly he was like who are these like rockets you know these turbocharged creatures and and then he got really interested and he started photographing the team and he kind of became part of skct right and he traveled yeah. abroad with us to document things and he's also been one of the people who has really changed i feel national level cycling today because there's coverage with amazing visuals and stories so a lot of people have had a very interesting roles yeah and i selfishly say it started again through skct there you know his yeah. interest yeah. Yeah. look where he's going with it now you know Dude, the the impact he had Uh, he has on indian cycling scene is huge the the kind massive. of uh, massive massive cannot uh, really imagine the uh, you yeah. know the, the kind of impact he had i think i should get him on the podcast one of these days definitely <laughs> all right so um for uh, talking about you as an athlete right you um, have been uh, while doing all these amazing things for the team and others you yourself have been in you know maintaining yourself in top shape and uh, winning these winning the tfn i still remember um, uh, you know the feeling that i have after uh, being beaten by you by 12 seconds on kalahati in 2016 <laughs> i was like i i after riding uh, uh, that day i i thought i have won i mean like it was like massive i didn't care about the general classifications and other uh, segments and i wanted to do well on that but you have beaten me by 12 seconds and like man what is he you, you know what, how is he doing this uh, like so how do you yeah how do you do this so so that's very funny because kalhati every time i've ridden it 
my only focus is like to finish the damn thing <laughs> because you just think you're going to stop each time and you can't pedal and it's it's like that one pedal stroke at a time you know so i think the timings that you get is what you get but all of us who ride that we're just trying to get there you know yeah yeah um, i think you know for me it's like okay by nature i'm super competitive right yeah, yeah. um i really i i like to win and i like to try to win um of course winning for all of us is nice right you win sometimes i win sometimes it's a great feeling uh but it's that whole effort um towards a goal you know and i think guys like us right um we need a goal in life and yeah. it helps us get through with family with work and all of that like if we just have to jump on the trainer and and spin it's it's horrible but if you know that hey you know what in march i have this event and then you work towards that right and it it helps you keep uh, keep a focus so for me um you know cycling has always been like a release with uh with all of the other things that are going on um i like to ride hard and i always i'm not one of those guys who likes to go and do 160 or 180 kilometers and spend like 6 7 hours on the bike or something honestly like i'm done with all of that uh, i'm much older now uh, i like to be on the bike for 3 hours at the most i'm happiest on the bike for sorry for 2 hours right and i like to ride those 2 hours hard or i like to ride them super easy chatting with friends if i'm riding with you we will chat and we'll go but or i ride super hard so um you know i my training today um is it's it's minimal honestly it's minimal mm-hmm. uh it's it's a lot of juggling in life you know and i and i get one hour in whenever i can um but i'm also past the point where i if i'm riding outside i really like to enjoy my rides it's become very important for me to not just look at it as training but just as time that i enjoy which is why i really like mountain biking the most yeah so i go to the forest and i ride for 1 hour you know just 1 hour uh sometimes an hour and a half but i'm beat at the end of that i'm dead because mountain biking is hard right it's like yeah. go stop go stop and so i just i just really enjoy riding hard and you know sometimes it does good for my fitness sometimes it doesn't um but that's honestly how i train today um i i work with a coach uh, and that's helped me a lot um so it helps in the sense that i don't think too much about what is it that i need to do right and right. you're a coach yourself and you know you create uh, you create structure um so so for me um transition cycling uh coaching is what they've done for me is really just give me structure and and i just follow it they know how much time i have which is not much and they put together the plans and i just follow that and when i ride outside i like to do whatever i want to do you know so i get right. on the trainer and do the the plan um but you know coming back to your question about how do i get you know whatever results um honestly i concentrate a lot on my nutrition so there came a time when i was getting less and less time to train and i was getting more and more interested in food and there was a turning point which was actually a training camp in nuti when there was a lot of national level riders and i remember doing this camp with the skct team and i went into this camp with almost no training right and i knew that the camp was happening then in december i i cannot train 
to come up to some level for that. I don't have the time. I have all of these work commitments. So let me get my food right. And all I did was concentrate on my nutrition and try to get it as dialed as possible. Be true to us, like through the roof, you know, I was just only concentrating on nutrition. And it went really well for me over there. Probably one of my best Kalati climbs and, you know, like dropping guys who were from the forces team and whatnot. Um, and then I realized like, oh my God, this I've done only on nutrition, hmm. right? With minimal riding next to it. This is very powerful. So that's when a penny really dropped. And I think that what's happened over time is, you know, we always say, right? And I'm sure you say this as a coach, consistency right. is the most important thing, Yeah. right? In cycling, you need to be consistent. I have never managed to be consistent with my cycling, even though I say that to everybody that I mentor because right. of life, Yeah. right? I can't, things get thrown at you, but I've maintained consistency with nutrition. So that's mm -hmm. one place where today, I don't fall off the wagon, right? I'm consistent with keeping my nutrition really good and healthy. Um, and then my training kind of goes all over the place. And honestly, if I do well at a race, yes, I have trained for the race sometimes. I think I'm lucky sometimes. But um, it's really hard for me to be, I'm not going to give you an inspirational thing about, oh, you know, I have all this work and yet I manage to be super focused with my training and I never miss a, that's not true. I do miss sessions. I hate missing sessions. I try to make up, but um, I don't take it too seriously because we are older guys now. The younger guys are doing, you know, we, are, we, we have to have fun with what we're doing. Yes, yeah. we like to race hard. Yes, we like to win. Yes, we like to beat the young guys. That's the biggest one, right? I'm yeah. happy when I beat two. I'm happier when I beat one of the kids, right? Yeah, yeah. One of the 20 something year olds, right? So all of that is fun, but when you lose, you lose and, and uh, there's no point getting too frustrated. I'm done with the days of like um, hardcore training and never missing a thing. It's not possible. You know, yeah. it's not possible anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think the balance of enjoyment and getting some results that keep you happy yeah. And most importantly, getting the joy of cycling mixed in, that's mm. the balance that I look for. Okay. So talking about nutrition, right? Uh, expanding a little bit about that. Um, now you're mostly plant-based uh, uh, nutrition, right? What, what is the kind of uh, nutrition that goes on in a typical day for you? Or in a day, so training day or a race day? So the truth is that my training days and uh, race and pre-race days are kind of similar, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a really good diet, balanced diet every day. Of course, I will, I will consume more before a race. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, my diet is 100% plant-based and it's been that way for four or five years, right? Um, yeah. And it's changed everything for me. Like I've been able to get so much more results with so much less training just from the food, right? Um, and honestly, I think that my best ever Nandi climbs and so on have been on this diet. Mm -hmm. I've just been leaner, um, stronger somehow. I recover better. So the, the impact that it's had on me is, is huge. Uh, and a lot of the athletes that I'm working with, right? But um, so what is it that I typically eat? I eat a lot of raw food. Mm -hmm. I eat a lot of salads. Um, so typically my mornings, uh, coffee, always coffee, right? I love my coffee. Um, 
and then I'll eat like a granola or muesli with uh, fruits in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm training, um, that that really keeps me going. I I like to take homemade things on training rides, but I'm also very bad with eating on rides. My coach always gives me a hard time about that. Um, I when I do carry something, it's like a homemade something. You know, it'll mm-hmm. be a sandwich with. Uh, uh, now I use a lot of uh, our. Uh, HHM products, you know, the power butters, mega mocha power butter. That's really an awesome training uh, food. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll typically have a spoon of that if I'm heading out for a ride and I'm good, good for the ride. You know, uh, it packs a lot of energy. Um, recovery. I'm very good about doing my smoothie after my ride. So again, I will have um, uh, a smoothie that I make with bananas and a plant-based milk. So either a cashew or an oat milk. And I put our super greens in it. Um, so we have some a product called Lean Mean Super Greens. And it really helps accelerate the, uh, the recovery. Mm. Um, so I'll have that. And I put a lot of fruit in there as well. And I don't eat. That's, I, I just have that. right? Mm. So I don't eat after the ride. And then when lunch comes, I eat a salad that's about that size. Okay. Mm. So a ton of vegetables. I'm a huge believer in vegetables. So it's either a raw salad or mixed with, you know, sometimes cooked beans, uh, lots of tofu for the protein. So beans and tofu, moong sprouts, all sorts of different sprouts. I get a lot of protein from there. Um, sometimes I might put some potatoes in if I want carbs. Sometimes I do, like I use a seed bread or a gluten-free bread and I chop that up and I put it in the salad too. Like all of this stuff is on my Instagram. If anybody's interested, you know, you can take a look there. So it's a huge, huge salad. Um, and dinner is usually not too big, but again, I my carbs... I like to get them from potatoes, sweet potatoes, rice, but like, you know, the red rice, the Kerala type rice, the fat one, um, you know, those are usually where I get my, my carbs from. Um, and, uh, and it works wonders for me. And when I ride, uh, to drink, I usually do a mixture of salt and jaggery and nimbu with water Mm -hmm. that works pretty well for me. Um, I don't use too many of the electrolyte. Uh, I mean, I have also coconut water and um, uh, sugarcane juice. Uh, I don't use too much of the electrolytes because um, there are a lot of good ones available today uh, on the market in India. But I don't feel that the riding that I do justifies using those. Okay. I'm not doing those kind of hours, you know. Yeah. Um, I know guys who are out there doing six-hour sessions. Yeah, you better, you better get yeah. all of the electrolytes in. But... I'm good with what I eat yeah. because I don't do insane volumes of training. And you know, the racing that I do now, it's like either time trialing, yeah. right? Which is what? We're there for an hour of effort yeah. or it's mountain bike racing about an hour of effort as well. Yeah. So usually I manage with, with this diet. I'm not there for six hours. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That, that really gives you a nice uh, idea about, you mentioned a lot of ingredients that, you know, people can uh, work with. So yes, that's great. So if we ever do a session on that, I can expand a lot more on it. I will. I will. We, we will have a pod, uh, podcast episode. You know, just focusing on nutrition. I I would love that. Sure. Yeah. So, but to end this session, uh, what are some of the tips that you would give working athletes to do well in sport while doing well with work and life? So I think, um, and I'm sure this is probably a, a really obvious answer, but I think that the, 
the trick is to find that balance the moment it's out of balance it's not going to work something is going to suffer right and um, you can't let your family life suffer you can't let your professional life suffer um, and you know working athletes got to remember that i'm going to say that most of us are not going to become world champion most of us are not going to become national champion yes maybe you know national champion yes maybe but um our life is basically going to be sustained in the long run by our work you know yeah. so it's super important and and you have to find a way that your work supports the cycling and that the cycling and the training that you do supports the work it gives you a release it makes you more focused because you know you're putting in those efforts all of us need to do sport otherwise we feel like shit right but we have to remember not to forget the other stuff and and go completely off balance because then everything will come crumbling down right yeah. it's kind of like you have these building blocks and it's got to stay as a pyramid if yeah. you one piece is too big it's going to tip that way one piece is too small it's going to tip this way so it's really about finding that balance and and i think that one thing that i've learned is to not take the cycling too seriously uh for myself as a cyclist i've taken it very seriously but that's been because of my goals in cycling which has involved other people right so when it's been my team when it's been somebody that i'm mentoring or whatever i take it extremely seriously when i take when i look at myself you know um i have to remember it's just me who's doing yeah. something that i love doing you yeah. know so don't take it too seriously when you win you win when you lose you lose right be happy for the person that won and come back next time it's okay um and also um don't get frustrated by not being able to train as much as the other guys because what happens is that we get so mentally screwed you know you're on instagram you're on facebook oh my god venki's done 6 hours how am i going to race against him you know next weekend oh he's been doing 6 hour days every that's just going to mess with you right yeah. you do what you can do forget about the others right yeah. so sometimes people will train more than you and they will win sometimes they'll train more than you and you will win and you know all of this happens so don't worry about it just look at your own balance what is available and try to enjoy that the best yeah. that you can don't don't feel put down by what other people are doing because when you're a, if you're a dedicated athlete and that's all you're doing it's it's completely different yeah. you know yeah. um that's all you need to think about largely and you have other people also thinking for you when you are in a job and with the family and this and it's very easy for us to fall into that trap where we we it's almost like our whole world is cycling but we can't let that happen that's true it's it, it's the hobby yeah you know but be serious and work hard at your hobby but remember that it's your hobby yeah. right and 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 you have people who are working uh, athletes who achieve very 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 high levels right yeah. um but yet they have a balance they have to have that balance so many triathletes is like that at the okay. top of the world podium so many triathletes are, are still working people right True. but it's balance yeah man awesome this this has been a fantastic uh, session with you and uh, thank you for taking the time out and uh, sharing your amazing journey uh, with the working athlete podcast uh, really appreciate it and i'm 
sure i am going to do an episode just on nutrition very soon with you thanks thanks for having me venki i think that maybe we need to do one of these uh, venki's working athlete podcast where i interview you because you have a crazy story as well and you're always asking the questions and maybe people don't realize what your story is so maybe one day we'll have to invert roles and i'll ask all the questions on your show sure sure definitely awesome okay. all right thanks venki